Welcome back to The Daily Poem here on the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. Today is Thursday, May 7th, 2020. Today's poem is by Gerard Manley Hopkins, uh, an English poet and Jesuit priest, and one of the, uh, the foremost of the Victorian poets. He lived from 1844 to 1889 and uh, is uh, especially known for his use of sprung rhythm. The poem that I'm going to read today is called Spring. Hopefully it's appropriate to almost all of us now. This is how it goes. Nothing is so beautiful as spring. When weeds and wheels shoot long and lovely and lush, thrush eggs look little low heavens and thrush through the echoing timber, does so rinse and ring the ear, it strikes like lightning to hear him sing. The glassy pear tree leaves and blooms, they brush the descending blue. That blue is all in a rush with richness, the racing lambs too have fair their fling. What is all this juice and all this joy? A strain of the earth's sweet being in the beginning in Eden Garden. Have, get, before it cloy, before it cloud, Christ, Lord, and sour with sinning innocent mind, and May Day and girl and boy, most, O maid's child, thy choice and worthy the winning. So it seems appropriate, I suppose, to read a poem by someone who is known for sprung rhythm. <laughs> uh, read a poem called Spring. This is one of his uh, Petrarchan sonnets. Uh, it's one that is not as known, perhaps, as some of his most popular poems, like, uh, say, God's Grandeur. Seamus Haney called this a uh, two-part sonnet. So the first eight lines are celebrating uh, spring, and then the second the second part, this, the last six lines, are interpreting the beauty that he has seen within the context of, of God's creativity. But of course, he doesn't just begin interpreting spring through God's creativity in the second, in the second part there. Because look at some of the images that we get in that first line. We get, you know, the thrush eggs look little low heavens. Uh, and the idea of heaven coming down to earth through the descending, the descending sky, the descending blue. There's the echoing timber and, and nature itself uh, singing a song. There's a sort of a sort of vibration in that, which of course is echoed in the uh, in the in the alliteration that uh, the sprung rhythm and the alliteration that that Hopkins incorporates into the poem. His poems are you know difficult to read. They're memorizable in a sense, but they also take some some uh, clearing of the headspace, if you will, to to get into their into their structure into their forms uh, to to kind of let the poem's uh, language and structure wash over you. In a way, you kind of have to let to to borrow a line from the poem. You have to let the the language strike like lightning to hear him sing. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, in the second part of it, we get uh, we get the the sort of reinterpretation of the poem or the reinterpretation of the, of the season that, that Hopkins offers us. What is all this juice and all this joy? Hopkins asks, as if to say, we don't deserve this. We don't deserve such beauty. He says that it's a strain of the earth's sweet being in the beginning in Eden Garden, before sin has, 
has transformed it before sin has, sin has, has ruined it and made it made, made uh, our access to such beauty limited. So he says, have get before it cloy, before it cloud, before it sours with sinning. And as with uh, almost every Hopkins poem, it ends with a couplet that is uh, confusing and uh, disorienting and makes you wonder what this poem was actually all about. Uh, the way he uses the sprung rhythm and the alliteration to, uh, to jam so many words and concepts together, it can, uh, can leave you a little disoriented, leave you spinning a little bit. But I think that's why his poems have lasted, because in the end, you're left with questions. You're left with uh, plenty to contemplate. It's not just about how beautiful spring is. It's not just about how, how it used, it's, it's an echo of Eden. But then in the end, he, uh, he, he begins this contemplation of innocent mind and May Day in girl and boy, most, O oh maid's child, thy choice and worthy the winning. In many ways, I, I think, I think what Hopkins is doing there is kind of offering us a sort of uh, something to make it personal for us. I think the ending of his poems are often challenges uh, for us to think about the world and uh, and God in a certain light. But I don't always know how to specify or express what it is that he's saying. It's in some ways a a, a lingering feeling that comes away from his poems that you can't help but contemplate and think about and, and wonder about. I think, again, I think that's why Hopkins' poems last. Um, I'll read it one more time, and then you can decide if you know exactly what those final stanzas are saying. But this is Spring by Hopkins. Nothing is so beautiful as spring when weeds and wheels shoot long and lovely and lush. Thrush eggs look little low heavens, and thrush through the echoing timber does so rinse and ring the ear it strikes like lightning to hear him sing. The glassy pear tree leaves and blooms. They brush the descending blue. That blue is all in a rush with richness. The racing lambs, too, have fair their fling. What is all this juice and all this joy? A strain of the earth's sweet being in the beginning in Eden Garden. Have, get, before it cloy, before it cloud. Christ, Lord, and sour with sinning, innocent mind, and mayday and girl and boy. Most, O oh maid child, thy choice and worthy the winning. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.